to pray. Oh, Lord, open our hearts, minds to you, oh, Lord, what you'd have us to hear from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Oktoberfest. Once a year it comes to St. Paul. Once a year it comes to the world. It's the world's largest beer festival and fun fair in the world. The original Oktoberfest was held in what city? Anybody know? Munich. It lasts up to 18 days. Starts in mid-September, which that's good because we're in September. And it goes to the first weekend in October. And six million people will gather in Munich area to celebrate this two-week period. It started in 1810, and it's part of the Bavarian culture. Other cities across the world picked up on it, and it's celebrated in many places throughout the world today in this two-week period. And it's the greatest celebration in the United States is in Cincinnati. And of course, we have one here this afternoon. It's an interesting celebration. It's part of the Bavarian culture, as I said, and some of you may have some history. My grandfather, on my dad's side, came from the Bavarian area. I don't know if he went to the one there or not in the 1800s, but he may have. But what does that really celebrate? What started the Oktoberfest? Probably nobody here knows. I don't know if you know or not. Anybody know who, what was the first celebration for? It was a wedding. Prince Ludwig married Princess Theresa in October 1810. Later became king. The whole city of Munich was invited. If you've ever been to Bavaria, King Ludwig's castle is still there. It's a magnificent building. Maxine and I toured it once. Built on the mountainside. Huge thing. See it for miles. Well, you know, I, Munich, the whole city of Munich was invited to their wedding outside the city. And they had beer, food, and games. Primarily horse racing in those days. But it's interesting that how that celebration was continued on through the years. For various reasons, but it's interesting about the reasons. But today, it amounts to at least 200,000 pairs of pork sausages, 480,000 spit roasted chickens, oompa music, that deep brass instruments like the tuba. And you can have all that here this afternoon. Oompa, you can have German food, you can have beer, good beer that is. But the original, when you go back and look at the history, there were three purposes to celebrate and keep the Oktoberfest going. So that there could be contentment and there could be the three things that are listed here. Congeniality and relaxation. Maybe the people needed a break from their activities or a reminder of who they were. But they came for contentment congeniality, and relaxation. In other words, for contentment means satisfaction, that life can be satisfying. Congeniality for being sociable, friendly, 
you know, having friendship. You can walk out here this afternoon and have friendship with people and talk to people and relaxation, refreshment of mind and body and get rid of all those thoughts of this past week and all the frustration of the politics and everything else and take a different view of life. Now, I'm not sure why we celebrate Oktoberfest here or how long it's been going. Do you remember any done history research where it started? What year it started? You heard stories. I don't know. It's been here since I've been here for all the years, but anybody know when the first Oktoberfest was held at St. Paul and why we hold it? Why do we have an Oktoberfest? Maybe because we want the same three concepts. Contentment, congeniality, relaxation. I don't know where the history is. Maybe good research you can find sometime, Pastor Donald, find out why we celebrate Oktoberfest, the last Sunday of September. But anyway, it's a time to do those things. Take a different break from what's going on in the world. So that leads us to maybe we could learn something from James about the Oktoberfest. And so let's take a look at the picture of James to remind us that we've been studying James all these past few weeks. Pastor Don's led you in the, the discussion of the book of James. And sometimes people criticize James because it leans too much on good works. Well, James knows it's faith that saves us. But he says, you have, if you have faith, you have to have works. Life has to follow. The Christian walk follows your faith. You're saved by Jesus Christ. We acknowledge that. We know that we cannot save ourselves or buy our way into heaven. But we do know that if we have trust in Jesus Christ and faith in him, we will serve him with good works. And so James gives us a laundry list of interesting things in chapter 5, as he ends this letter that he writes to the church, it's assumed that this James is the half-brother of Jesus, a son of Mary and Joseph. Jesus, of course, being a son of God and Mary. So they're half-brothers. And he writes a letter based on living the Christian walk, the Christian life, after Jesus has ascended into heaven. And notice just some of the quotes that we heard read in James. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Now, you say, I'm not rich. Yes, you are. You're in the very small percentage of the world of all the blessings we have. And so that's how we take care of those around us that James is referring to here. Because it's our responsibility to care for those less fortunate than us. And then he says, and is continuing on, be patient. Wait until the coming of the Lord. The Lord's going to return. And he says, just be patient, just like the farmer does when he plants the seed. He says, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. God's going to return. Jesus is going to return. So he says, establish your hearts. Get your hearts ready for this. And he says, do not grumble against one another. We don't do that, do we? No one grumblings. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, he says. Reminds us of the, who the Lord is. What a compassionate God you and I have. And it's a good thing we do. And then he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Did an interesting little conversation near the end of his letter. He says, anyone of you suffering? What should you do? Pray. Got a problem? Pray. Sick? Pray. If you're cheerful, 
sing a song of praise. Well, we sang songs of praise already this morning. We praise God for all the blessings he gives to us, for all the things that he does for us and for what he does. And it says, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. That's what we do here today. We pray for one another, lift up prayers for each other, for the world, for the church, for all those around us. And here's an interesting statement. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So are you righteous? Are you a righteous person so that your prayer has a lot of power? Should be. We're righteous, declared righteous by Jesus Christ because of his death on the cross for us and forgiveness. And so if we are righteous, which we, I assume, are, you are, we have great power to pray. Our, power, our prayers have power. First, Elijah, of course, prayed for rain to stop. Didn't pray for rain to start. It started. And so the prayers are an important part of our life as we live out this life that James calls us to live. In the last paragraph of his letter, it says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. He ends on an evangelism note to reach out to those people who have left the church, who have gone astray, bring them back. And that's part of who we are today, too. Bring back those that have wandered away or gone away. And so James gives us quite a laundry list here of saying how we should live the Christian life. And that's, that's complicated. That's a lot of hard stuff to do in this world we live in. It's so complicated and so bitter and angry at each other and all the things that are going on in the world and our country and politics and everything else. So we get all this going on. So think about it. James then centers on the same three words, basically. Contentment, congeniality, relaxation. What same thing Oktoberfest talks about. What Oktoberfest wants to accomplish. But you see, Oktoberfest only lasts a couple weeks. Here at St. Paul, it lasts a couple hours out here in the parking lot this afternoon, and it's gone. Everything that's out there this afternoon will be gone again tomorrow. But can we continue on with the results of what people wanted to accomplish in that first Oktoberfest and on, and what James wants to accomplish in our lives? Contentment, congeniality, and relaxation. That we walk in the ways of the Lord. It's really a challenge for us, isn't it, to live that kind of life. But that's what we're called to live, and that's what James is calling us to do. Because James is saying the same thing that we say today, we're all sinners. We need a Savior. We need to live the life that the Savior calls us to live. Why did Jesus come? Because I got a sin problem. You got a sin problem. And our problem condemns us. But Jesus comes and saves us. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Sin overwhelms us. Sin overwhelms and messes us up. He messes up our lives, our families, sometimes the church, sometimes the all around us, the world, everything around us gets messed up sometimes, it seems like. But Jesus came to straighten that all out. So ultimately, our life looks to Jesus Christ, to Jesus on the cross. 
That's where James would take us too, because he says it's our faith that saves us. But it's interesting to note that James, as he ends this letter, he talks about living the life that comes as a result of what Jesus Christ has done for you and me, paid for our sins on the cross, and given us the gift of eternal life. Jesus came because he knows my sin and your sin. He knows my problems and your problems. He knows what you're going through right now. He knows what's going on in the world. He knows what it's all about. And he does something about it. He gives his life on a cross for our salvation, for renewal. Yes, I messed up, but that's why Jesus came. He brings to me those same three concepts, contentment, congeniality, and relaxation for me to live in this world today. Because it's his church. It's his place. Jesus sets the agenda. Not King Ludwig. Not a wedding ceremony back in 1810. But because you and I celebrate today the very things that we can do to serve Jesus Christ in our life. So we may say, so what? Yeah, so what? Well, let's take our joy. And James says, praise the Lord. And if things aren't going so well for you and you're suffering, then pray. And if you're sick, call the elders and the leaders of the church and pray for your, for your health. Because it all matters in how we live and what we do. There was an interesting incident in 1979 when a Coast Guard vessel, smaller boat, little vessel was out in the Arctic Ocean, and they came across a polar bear on a nice uh, float. And so the sailors on the vessel thought, oh, let's have some fun. So they threw out some salami, and the bear really liked that. He just ate that up. They had some peanut butter, and they threw that out, and the polar bear really liked that. Then they had some chocolate bars, and he liked those. Well, they thought that was enough of their stuff given away, so they quit, and the bear, but the bear was not satisfied, so he came across, got on the boat. Now they were terrified. The polar bear was on their vessel with them. What are they going to do? They got the fire hoses out and started hitting the polar bear with the fire hose water, but he liked that. He stood up and lifted up his paws and just took the water, and now they were really terrified. What are they going to do with this polar bear on their vessel? Well, fortunately, he jumped back into the water and swam away. But you see, sometimes we make the same mistake with, those, with sin that the sailors nearly made with that polar bear. We play around with it, we feed it, we bring it into our lives, we let it come and it could conquer us and destroy us. But fortunately, Jesus came and took care of that sin for us and drives it out of our lives. And we survive. I'm sure you've in the past had a flashlight or a instrument or something but it had batteries in it and you didn't use it for a long time and you opened it up and it was all corroded the batteries were there and the acid was all over the place all because you hadn't used the flashlight for a long time you see we are meant to be turned on to be used to be a light in the world not to be corroded and let sin destroy us and so it's interesting then that Jesus comes along the gospel lesson today ends with the same note that James ends. Remember that? When you heard the gospel, the very last line of the gospel lesson today says, have salt in yourselves. 
and be at peace with one another. That's the very last line of the gospel today. It's right in with James, doesn't it? Yeah, amazing, isn't it? That we can have that concept in our lives. There was an ancient king. He had three daughters. He said, tell me how much you love me. Well, the first daughter says she loved him more than all the gold in the world. The second daughter got up and says, I love you more than all the silver in the world. The third daughter got up and said, I love you more than all the salt in the world. He didn't think that was so good, but the cook happened to be listening. He heard that, so the next day he prepared one of the delicious meals that the king loved and all set up on the plate for him. And the king looked at it, mmm, this really looks good. He bit into it and he didn't like it. It doesn't taste good. And the cook said, well, there's no salt in it. And then he realized his daughter, who liked as much as more than salt, had a point. Because salt used to be used as an exchange of money sometimes in the past history. Salt is important. And so we are salt. Jesus says, have salt in yourselves. We are to make a difference in this world. And yes, we can have an Oktoberfest and celebrate joy and have joy in our hearts and lives and come this afternoon and have fun and congeniality and all these things. But tomorrow we go home, how are we going to face tomorrow? Well, as Christians, we face it living as James and bid us to live, to have peace among ourselves, to live the Christian life, to set the Christian example, to share who we are as God's people. Because Oktoberfest will be over, but the words of God will not be. Jesus Christ's love for you will not change. His life on the cross is there for you. His forgiveness is for you. He loves you. He cares for you. You are special. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave Jesus for you and me that we might live and we may continue to have an Oktoberfest celebration every day in our lives, being joyful in the Lord. And so let's take James seriously when he says, if you're joyful, praise the Lord. If you have a problem, if you're not cheerful, you're suffering, then pray. Because that's the solution. God's solution is for you and for me and his son, Jesus Christ. If we never forget that, then we're on the right track, on the right road. And we understand James, and we understand that we can celebrate and have joy in our hearts and in our lives because we are people who follow Jesus Christ and his love. May God grant that to you for Jesus' sake. Amen.